1: you return that I might live In my Father's house.
2: It's not about the position of your body as much as it is about the position of your heart. Listen, if you want to get on your knees and pray, fine. If you feel comfortable in doing that, if you, it's not going to draw down responses from God because you're on your knees. God is more, you know, we can get on, you can stand on your head and pray to try to get God's attention, but God looks right through that and He looks into your heart. It's your heart that He's concerned about. Is your heart bowed before the Lord?
0: Some people get caught up with where or how you pray, but as Pastor Mike shares in today's study, the more important matter is that of your heart. Kneeling before the Lord won't get your answers any sooner. Escaping a noisy room for your war room will help you concentrate better, but it won't guarantee results. The Lord cares about the attitude of your heart. Are you submitting to His will? Are you ready to hear a no? The where and how can aid in prayer, but the genuine concern is attitude. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Ephesians chapter 3 as he continues his message, I Bow My Knee.
2: You know, it's amazing. I got to tell you something. The Lord wakes me up. I, I don't, maybe it's old age. I don't know exactly what it is, but uh, I wake up a lot in the middle of the night. Do you? Uh, I never. I don't. I, I wake up sometimes like two or three times in the middle of the night, and uh, and the Lord lays this burden to pray on my heart. So I begin to pray. Sometimes it's for my own specific needs, things you know that I'm going to be facing tomorrow when I get up out of bed or, you know, the Lord brings to remembrance a particular person here in the fellowship or in the congregation, you may be out and about, like 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning. You know, you're in a, a situation where you're in danger. So do me a favor, stop being out so late at night so that I can get a good night's sleep so the Lord wouldn't have to wake me up, you know, for me to have to pray for you. But uh, Who knows? But, you know, during those times, I, I found them to be a very special time, a time of wonderful fellowship and, and communion with the Lord where God is really speaking to me. Have you ever had those kinds? of, you know, where there's no other things to draw your attention to or, you know, you can just totally focus in on your relationship with the Lord and your prayers and, and uh, you're asleep in your bed, it's dark. I've always found it to be a very precious time in prayer, In those times, you have more time to be able to to share your heart, the things that are going on, rather than your back is up against the wall and you just got to offer one of those quick prayers, you know, God help, okay? So, So that's the first thing that I wanted to draw your attention to here in this particular prayer before we actually break it down for you. It's not about the position of your body as much as it is about the position of your heart. Listen, if you want to get on your knees and pray, fine. If you feel comfortable in doing that, if you, it's not going to draw down responses from God because you're on your knees. God is more, you know, we can get on, you can stand on your head and pray to try to get God's attention, but God looks right through that, and He looks into your heart. It's your heart that He's concerned about. Is your heart bowed before the Lord? And that's why I never could understand, you know, certain people. You know, sometimes i got to wonder. I've seen this happen in some of our fellowships in our congregations. Maybe I shouldn't mention this. You know, in those times when you're worshiping or something and you feel like you need to pray or whatever, you know, so not to draw attention to yourself, because I think some of that, for that very reason, you know, go to the back of the congregation so no one can... This should be just between you and the Lord, right? We're not to be like the Pharisees who stand on the corner with their garments and robes and offering these great Elizabethan prayers to be seen of men, right? The Bible tells us, then you have your reward, right? It's just between you and the Lord. That's what prayer is all about. It's just a conversation that you're having with the Lord. Now, that brings us to our second point. And within this prayer, there are four specific requests. And that becomes our second point, four specific requests. So, only going to take a look at two, of the four petitions that are recorded for us here within this prayer. But there's something else that I want to mention. Those four petitions must not be looked upon as isolated individual petitions. Because as you'll see as we move through them, one request leads to the next one and then so on. For example, let's go back to the text. Let's go back to the prayer. He prays that the inner man might have spiritual strength, verse 16, follow along with me, which then will in turn lead to a deeper experience with Christ, verse 17. Then the deeper experience will enable them to apprehend or get hold of God's great love, the first part of verse 19, which will result in their being filled unto the fullness of God, the latter part of verse 19. So do you see the connection between all four of these requests. So then, Paul is praying for, and write this down, this is important. What is Paul praying for? Basically, for those believers in Ephesus, he's praying for strength, he's praying for depth, he's praying for apprehension, and he's praying for fullness. Those are the four petitions. Those are the four requests. And if you think about it, You know, this is what God wants to do in all of our lives, but it is truly a part of a process in our Christian experience. Okay, so with that said, let's go ahead and take an in-depth look at each one of those petitions. We're only going to take a look at two of them and break it down for you. The first of which is, Paul prayed for these believers at Ephesus that God might strengthen them. Let's go back to our text in verse 16 that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through the Spirit in the inner man. So, it is power that Paul desires for his readers. He knew that this was absolutely important that they get hold of God's power. We're talking about Holy Ghost power. The answer to how we live a godly life. Listen, you get hold of Holy Spirit power, it'll radically transform you into the image of God's Son. Remember, God instructed the first disciples in the book of Acts in chapter 1, in verse 8, at the Feast of Pentecost, before the Holy Spirit was poured out, before the believers were even baptized uh, with the Holy Spirit for the first time, and He instructed them to tarry ye there in the city of Jerusalem, until ye be endowed with power from on high, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. Witnesses of what? Witnesses of Jesus. That they'll become like Jesus. That they will be able to live their lives in victory even as Jesus lived his life in victory when he walked upon the face of this earth. And think about it. After they were baptized, in Holy Ghost power. Think of the transformation that had taken place, for example, in the life of Peter. You know, just uh, going back to the Gospels, in the last few chapters of the Gospel, Peter denied the Lord three times. But now in the book of Acts, after he's baptized in the Holy Spirit and, has gotten, and gotten hold of this power, he's in the open streets, boldly professing and preaching the Gospel of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he's testifying to that fact. What in the world happened in this guy's life? An unlearned fisherman. Think about that. He went through this dramatic transformation. How did that happen? Holy Ghost power. You see that? And uh, let me also add that Jesus himself performed his ministry upon the earth in the power of the Spirit. Let me give you a couple of cross-references for this. In Luke's Gospel in chapter 4 in verse 1. In Luke's Gospel in chapter 4 and verse 1. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Notice, He's filled with the Holy Spirit. In that same chapter 1 and verse 14, we read, Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of Him went out through all the surrounding region. You know, when Peter is led by the Lord to go to Cornelius' house. Remember Cornelius in the book of Acts? He was a centurion. Actually, he is the first Gentile conversion that's recorded in the Bible, him and his household. And remember, Peter was sent to Cornelius. He he was someone who prayed always unto the Lord and gave alms, he gave regular tithes and offerings unto the work of, of the Lord. And for that, God acknowledged him, and he sent Peter to further instruct him in the things of of God. And when he gets to Cornelius' house, and he begins to address Cornelius and his household, in Acts chapter 10, in verse 38, we read how that God, and this is Peter's testimony of Jesus, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit, and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with them. So the point, Jesus performed his ministry upon the earth in the power of the Spirit. Listen, gang, let me tell you something. It is the greatest resource for Christian living today. Think about this. In the same book of Acts, there are no less than 59 references to the power of the Holy Spirit. That is, the importance of the Spirit in the life of the first church. So I guess we should gather from that that to obtain this power is equally important for us. Now, let's go back to our text. I want you to also notice there in verse 16, go back to verse 16 for a moment, this power of the Spirit is given according to the riches of his glory. And, uh, you know, Paul didn't want the believers in Ephesus to sense a trinkling of the power of the Holy Spirit, just a little bit of the, the Spirit, Holy Ghost power. He wanted them to experience an abundance of that power. Notice the phrase, according to the riches of his glory. And so that's the measure. That's the Degree, according to the riches of his glory. Okay, think about this. If I am a billionaire, yeah, right? Okay, that's never going to happen. If I'm a billionaire and I give you $10, I have given you out of my riches. But if I give you a million dollars, I have given to you according to my riches. And therein lies the difference between the two. The first is a portion, $10. The second, $1 million, is a proportion. And Paul is praying that God would bestow upon these believers an abundance of power. That's what he wanted them to experience. But then also something else here. Notice that this power is available for the inner man. Or the inner woman, if you like. Now, what does this mean? Well, this means the spiritual part of man. That is where God dwells and works. God works in the inner man, the inner woman. Let me give you a cross reference for this. In 2 Corinthians, in chapter 4, and verse 16, it says, But though our outward man is perishing, and that's a reference to the aging process, our bodies breaking down, yet he goes on, The inward man, that is the real me, the real you, is being renewed day by day. And gang, it is this inner power that makes it happen. So what does it mean then to have the Holy Spirit empower the inner man? We talk a lot about that, but what does that mean? What does it look like? Well, it means that our spiritual faculties are controlled by God and we are exercising them. We're living to the glory of God. Each day we are growing more and more in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. You see, that's the outcome. That's the outcome of getting hold of this power. Okay, so what's involved here? Now, God is looking to do that, but he just doesn't do it for our just asking him to do it. There's our responsibility in this occupation. And we need to understand that. God isn't just going to waste, you know, pouring out his power upon a group of people that aren't willing to use it for his glory. We have a responsibility in this occupation. You say, what's that? What's involved here? Well, spiritual exercises. You know, basically the ABCs of Christianity, feeding the inner man with the word. Now, you're doing that so you're on the right track, okay? So you can expect to receive that power from the Lord, right? You're feeding yourself with the scriptures. You're feeding the inner man, the inner woman. Prayer is another way, is another spiritual exercise. It's through prayer that you receive that power. You know, how many times have you been in a situation where unexpectedly you're tempted to do something ungodly? And uh, just out of the blue, you know, an opportunity arises. And man, your body is screaming for satisfaction. You know, and I'm not going to lie to you. The Bible tells us that there's pleasure in sin for a season. There is, right? And listen, we're subject to weaknesses. The best of saints, even in the Bible, Abraham, David, were all subject to their own fleshly weaknesses, right? Okay, so here's an opportunity that presents itself, some kind of a temptation. The devil is really good at knowing you know, how to go about doing that, shooting some of those fiery darts our ways, replicating a situation right, where we're going to be tested and we're going to be proved. You know, and most Christians just, at that point, run headlong towards that opportunity and occasion to sin and temptation, rather than just taking a moment to be still and just pray. And then that thing that, you know, caused your flesh to just be screaming and yearning and, oh, I want to find, I know that that's going to bring fulfillment. All of a sudden, it just changes your entire perspective. If you would have just taken the time out and prayed, And again, it doesn't have to be one of those long prayers. It could be just, Lord, help me out here. Because the next step that I take going forward, I'm going to run headlong into that temptation and sin. So it's in prayer where we get hold of that power of God. Listen, there's no reason for us to offer up any excuse why we've fallen into sin, you know, if we're in the Word and we're in prayer. But then also, worship. Worship. You know, surround yourself with songs of worship. And man, you know, we have all of these things available to us now. Your iPhones, man, just, you know, uh, download some music or go to iTunes or whatever. Your favorite Christian bands or Listen to the radio as you're driving. We got 95.5 and and K Wave now, and and uh, we got the Bridge, and and uh, we got 99.1, and we got all kinds of different opportunities, you know, to be encouraged. Turn on your favorite Bible teacher. Know when they're coming on during the during the day. Turn them on. Listen to your radio. You can get all of these stations on your on your computer, on your iPhones, or whatever. You know, surround yourself with, with spiritual songs and they have a way of strengthening us and reminding us of, of our relationship with God and God's love for us. It, it becomes a means of being strengthened, right? Keeping clean, keeping yourself clean. Exercising your, the senses by loving obedience, all of which enables us to be strengthened in the inner man, the inner woman. There's no reason for us you know, to fall into temptation and sin, right? God has given us ample resources for us not to fall into temptation and to sin. Now, the second petition here, notice Paul prays for death, verse 17. The first one was what? Power. The second petition is for death, verse 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. This has to do with death. And Paul uses three pictures here to convey the idea of spiritual death. He wants us to go on. He wants us to dig in. And the three pictures are hidden in three verbs. They're in verse 17. What are they? Dwell, rooted, and grounded. And if you're taking notes, you might want to write that down or just if you you know if you have a marker or something just underline those three words in your bibles in verse 17 let's break down those three verbs for you and what they uh, suggest the first word dwell can literally be translated to settle down and feel at home now certainly jesus was already residing in the hearts of the ephesians even as he is residing in your hearts, or else Paul would not have addressed them as saints in chapter 1 in verse 1. Notice in his introductory verse, it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and the faithful in Christ Jesus. So Christ was already residing in the hearts of these Ephesian believers. So therefore, what Paul is praying for was a deeper experience between Christ and his people. And listen, let me tell you something. There's always room for a deeper experience. I don't care where you are, whether you're a brand new Christian where you've just given your life to Christ over the holidays or you've been walking with the Lord for 40-something years, it doesn't matter. There's always room for improvement. None of us are, you know, got this wired. None of us have arrived. You've heard me say this before. All of us may as well have a sign hung around our neck, under construction. We're all under construction. None of us are, have arrived. The brand new Christian or the senior pastor of the church. It's a part of a process, right? So Paul is praying for here is a deeper experience between Christ and his people. He yearns for Jesus to settle down and feel at home in their hearts. And we're not talking about some kind of a surface relationship, but an ever-deepening fellowship. We're talking about hanging out, best buddies, kind of an experience. And that's the kind of, you know, that's the kind of relationship that God wants to have with you. I'll give you an example of this. Think about Abraham. Abraham's life is an illustration of this truth. They were best buddies. Think about this. It's recorded for us in the book of Genesis in chapter 18. God was going to bless Abraham and Sarah with a son. So the Lord himself came down and visited Abraham's tent. Sometime during the week, read the text of scripture, the chapter, Genesis chapter 18. And Jesus, I believe it was Jesus, is it theophanies, an appearance of Christ in the Old Testament. He brings along with them two angels and they talked together, they ate a meal together, and they felt right at home. Why? Because Abraham was a man of faith and obedience.
1: In my father's house There's a place for me In my father's house Where I long
0: That's all we have time for on this edition of In My Father's House. Thanks for joining us. Did you know that you can listen to Pastor Mike's teachings on your favorite podcast app? Just search for In My Father's House. Be sure to subscribe and let us know you're a listener in the comments. If you don't have a church that you call home, we'd love for you to join us for worship this Sunday at Harvest Christian Fellowship. You can find all the information you need at HarvestNYC.org. While you're there, you can reserve your seat by clicking on Contact and then the Register link. We're located in Midtown Manhattan, and there's easy access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. If you're not in the area, or if you're unable to attend in person, we'd still like to have you be a part of our time studying God's Word. We're live streaming our services each week, and you can connect on our website. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. If you'd like to hear today's message again or to catch previous Sunday messages, click on the Resources tab. You can also watch services through our Vimeo link or connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Links to all of these are available at our website. One more time, that's harvestnyc.org. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to remind you just how much your Heavenly Father loves you. We also want you to know how grateful we are to have you as a part of our listening audience. Thanks again for joining us. We look forward to our continuing study of Ephesians next time, right here on In My Father's House. Where I love
1: to be, oh my heart not be troubled ¡Gracias!